Hi, welcome to the Hope Podcast. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. And you're joining us for the whole podcast with my friend, Pastor Becky Alcantar. Say hi, Becky. Hello, I'm Becky Alcantar. I'm the author and co-founder of Journey to Wholeness, a program designed to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges. I'm super excited for today's episode. So am I. It's a full room. Yes, it is. Because we have Steve and Emily Carlson joining us today. Mm, rock stars. Yep, truly. <laughs> like they came in saying, oh, we're so excited to be on your show. But really, I'm just super excited to be around them. We were super excited. We were saying right before. Yep, yep. yep. I love that. I love that. So maybe, um, Steve, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about you, and then Emily will tell us a little bit about her, and I'll ask you guys questions about you guys together. Sure. Yes. Um, I love talking about myself. That's yeah. one of the. I know that's true. That's why we have me. you here. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I am a Uper, born and raised up in Northern Michigan, Escanaba. Yeah. yeah. Um, I grew oh, up in yeah. a Christian household, and so faith has always been a huge uh, factor in me. I went to Bible school, and that's actually what brought me to Manitowoc. Was I was a part of a church in Manitowoc. And through different events, I kind of got burnt in the church world and mm. faced a lot of uh, traumas and hurts and that and had to go through a lot of different things on my own to go through a journey. And here we are mm. today. So what Bible school did you go to? I went to North Central University. So in the Twin Cities. North Correct. Central. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Minneapolis. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I just went to a chapel there. Not that long ago. I'd never, mm-hmm. I'd never been to the campus in my whole life. I got a thousand friends went there, but I'd never been there. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. The president gave us a tour. It was kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, the chapels were great. My daughter was actually looking at that college. Yeah, it's a great it university. And great. I mean, the area of town, it's any Bible college is never in a great spot in the city. <laughs> but Minneapolis is such a beautiful oh, yeah. city. Yeah. I loved it because being a youper and growing up in the country— What's nice about Minneapolis is you got yeah. the city and then you go an hour away and you're country. In the country. There's yeah. nothing. You might as well be in Escanaba. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing in Escanaba. They, yeah. There's a big ski jump. Isn't there a ski jump in Escanaba? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that? That's someplace up there. Like a big giant ski jump. Like at Pine Mountain. Where's Pine Mountain? Ah, uh, that should be Marquette. <laughs> oh, now you're going to put me on the spot. Yeah, this isn't We're going how I wanted to go. We're just all yeah. of the UP. I feel like that's what it is. It's yes, just it's one just, big, I mean, it's not one town, but it's it, like. The, it's one small town in the very yeah. vast area. Yeah, that's exactly yes. what it is. Huh. And what did you study at North Central Bible University? Pastoral College. theology. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, Smartest guy in the room. Yeah. No. <laughs> not by oh. far. Huh. Emily Jolly, tell us more about you. Hey, Emily um, Jolly I'm, Carlson. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just uh, I just became a Carlson. Um, yeah, so I was born and raised in Green Bay, and I've been attending Life Church for like I think four years now. Um, started coming um, kind of out of a really tough season, a really low point of life, um, and since then have found. You know, I've switched jobs. I work at the exchange, um, love it there. And I'm surrounded by like-minded people all the time. So that's great. <laughs> um, what else? I don't know. <laughs> so you were born and raised in Green Bay. You went to Green Bay Preble. I yes? did. I went to Preble. Yeah. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. go fighting Hornets. They are Preble, the Hornets. Hornets. Yep. yep. That's it. That's it. That's for sure. For sure. And then did you go to school after high school? I did. I attended UW Green Bay. Nice. Where I graduated with a bachelor's degree in arts management. What does that is, mean? Like what job yeah. would you have after that? <laughs> I know. That's how I get that question all the time. Um, it's like a business degree for the arts industry. Nice. So I could work at a museum, a gallery, 
a mm-hmm. dance company. I could do any of that. And I work at the exchange. Mm-hmm. How did you guys meet? How did you and Steve meet? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Match.com. Wow. Oh, yeah. This podcast brought to you by Match.com. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What was it about his profile that made you swipe, swipe right or however it works on Match.com? That's I don't different. Know. That's different. That's a, yeah, there's oh. no swiping, but <laughs> swipe or no swiping. Um, but um, it was, you know, his his very apparent faith that made me even like yeah. talk to him. Um, cause I talked to a lot of people that that wasn't the case and yeah. it was very apparent. Um, so it was our kind of like theology gotcha. that really sparked interest. I think. What about you? Like, what was it about her profile? You're like, um, um, where is that? Well, she responded and talked back to me. So <laughs> we'll just start so with she, that. So she was breathing and had yeah. a heartbeat. Yes. So there was actually, you know, conversations that happened. Um, no, it was very similar. Um, the way she wrote a profile on how faith and Jesus was such an important part of her life. Mm. Um, being Jesus is my number one and still is that was very important to find a spouse that shared the same goals to have Jesus remain the number one in your life. Yeah. And the spouse is the number two under that. Yeah. I love that. Before we're almost there. Sorry. I just want to, I want to make sure we get some good foundation on who they are. So you had said that like after you left school, you were part of a church ministry in Manitowoc, Oshkosh, Manitowoc, Manitowoc. Yes. And then, but then like, I don't know, like, with a lot of churches, right? Like things just fall apart because like people are in charge, right? And people are making decisions and everything else. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of things on North Central I wish I would do different. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I would have got a business degree with a Bible minor instead. Gotcha. Because um, it's a little bit more versatile. Uh, but one of my, I loved my professors though. I would not change them for the world. And one of them always taught us that uh, people will fail you. Organizations will guard their territory but God is faithful. Yeah. And so I've been in a few churches that got burned because their people are on. And like he taught us, people will fail you. Yeah. And a church is an organization. And what's an organization going to do? It's going to guard its own territory. Yep. And so even though I faced that, I was still able to walk out of that knowing that kind of teaching I got mm-hmm. from North Central, from that professor, that's not on a syllabus. Yeah. So Yeah, that's so cool. I love it because both... Emily and Steve are part of our uh, community downtown at Life Church Downtown. And I feel like Life Church Downtown is kind of made up of a lot of people that have been burned by church or yeah. like feel like they've been marginalized by church. And you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those churches, but sometimes people just like they get end up getting a raw deal and they're like, I don't and I hate that they that they didn't have a place where they could land. And so I love that the Carlsons are with us downtown because mm-hmm. that's what LC downtown is all about. Is like I often refer to us as a bunch of misfits, like misfits are our people. And so <laughs> if you feel like you're a church misfit and like you're doing all the other Jesus stuff, but you don't have a church home, let me just encourage you to try Life Church downtown. We'd love to have you there. But listen, so we're not here to talk about Life Church downtown. <laughs> we're here to talk about a new and upcoming Journey to Homeless Group. Journey to Homeless Group. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. Well, the Carlsons have been gracious uh, to accept my proposal of, hey, what if we help couples who are just getting started? Uh, and since they're newlyweds themselves and they were brave enough to say, let's do Journey to Wholeness right in the inception, uh, 
really willing just to pass on that knowledge to others and help others get a good start in their marriage. Cause we know um, both of us have been, uh, yeah. we each have been married uh, for a long time. And we remember those first few months and the first few years, they can be quite tumultuous, especially when you're coming into a relationship with just different backgrounds and different expectations and different um, traditions and uh, different experiences. And then you come together and you can have the best of circumstances, the best of relationship and still be challenged in that now you're taking two lives to become one. And we really don't spend enough time um, traditionally in going through those items so that we're aware of them. We we focus on the, the positives, right? Why am I marrying this person? I don't look at all the flaws and go, here are the things I look forward to working on. And yet, if we can actually be transparent and real to each other and honest um, and vulnerable from the get-go, we can really establish a great, great foundation if we're willing to address those things in the beginning, right when, you know, most people want to just stay in the honeymoon phase, but we learn that really quick life just kicks in and there's not the honeymoon phase and we can start to doubt our relationship when that's not the case. It's just, we need some practical tools to implement to help us through those months so that we really get that foundation that we can all accomplish or attain or get to. Um, So um, we are launching our first uh, journey wholeness group, particularly for engaged and newly married couples Mm -hmm. to help you through this process, to join with others who have just walked through this, who have some theological knowledge as well as journey to wholeness, psychological knowledge, like Emily's brain on psychology is amazing. (laughs) Um, I just, I love having conversations with her because she can pick things apart in the sciencey nerdy way, just like I can. Um, And then you got Steve with the theology and the background of of schooling and, and his heart for people, both of them, that just makes it a perfect combination for anyone who's looking to just start things out on the right foot. And if that's you, I think all of us going to marriage going, this is going to be the great greatest marriage ever, right? We're going to do everything right. Everyone else messed up. I don't know what their problem is. And then we get into it and we're like, oh, like we're human too. There's things Mm -hmm. we don't know either. And, you know, who do we ask now? Um, Because, you know, everyone comes from a different family. Like some people talk about things, some people don't. Um, Some things, you know, depending on what your script was in your family. And then who do you turn to for help? And I don't think anyone wants to come out of the gates and go, well, I need a counselor three months out, but maybe that's what you need. What you really need, though, everyone needs, is some mentor or someone ahead of them who's just willing to say, hey, yeah, I've been through something similar, or we went through the same thing, and here are the tools that are available in the material that we have that can help you walk through that as well. Yeah, I I felt like when you were talking, I felt like I got kicked in the gut. Because I, uh, like, so um, I got, I've been married twice. And so, uh, the first time I got married, I married my high school sweetheart. Um, but I was 20, she was pregnant. Right. But I mean, I didn't care. Like that was the girl that I thought I wanted my whole life anyway. Right. Yep. But like, what do you know when you're 20? Like, hey, yeah. You think you know everything. Yeah. Not much, right. And so, and when I think about, and so, you know, obviously since I've been married twice, that first marriage failed. Like I'm not currently twice married. Like that guy that's on the TV show. <laughs> Creepy. On, Oh, Sister Wives. That's sister. so weird. He's not. That's not you. <laughs> yeah. That guy is super weird. You ever watch that show? No. Yeah. Freaky, freaky, freaky. Anyway, and he has a hairline like ours, but just keeps growing his hair out the back. Right? <laughs> oh, and so rather than like owning it, right, and shaving his head, like, I don't know. That guy's super weird. Anyway, so then I got married again, right, uh, to the new love of my life. And I, I love and cherish and adore my wife. Um, 
But as you were talking about, what what could it be like if you had that chance to go through journey either before or mm-hmm. like, I'm just telling you, like, I mean, I've been through journey and it completely changed. Not, I mean, certainly how I see other people, but the biggest piece was how I saw me and understanding me and the context of me. Yes. And I never knew any of that. Right. I never knew and that. I never knew that I was unique. I, I never knew that, you know, like everyone didn't think like me or feel like me or express themselves like me. I just thought everyone, like we're all human. So don't we all feel the same way? And none of us feel Mm-mm. the same as anybody else. No. And so if I, I wonder, so the reason I felt like I got kicked in the gut is I wonder, like looking back at my first marriage, like, boy, if I, if, if I were more aware, could I have done more? Mm-hmm. Right. But then I wouldn't have met my wife, Kate, whom I love. And I wouldn't, right. have, I wouldn't have met my kids, Ray and Abe, who like, oh my gosh, like I'd open my veins for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I just love them so much. And so, I mean, I love how God works and finds us up, but I just feel like, mm-hmm. well, if I just had the chance to know who I was, right? I waited until, oh my gosh, Becky, I waited until I was like 52 years old yeah. before I figured it out. Yeah. I think that was the number one, when I went through the process myself, that was the first thing I would come home and say to my husband, if only we had known this stuff starting out, if only someone had talked to us about these things, it would have changed so much. Yeah. We wouldn't have struggled as long as we did. We would have struggled still. There's still adjustments to be made and there's still things to process, but we would have had the tools to actually traverse that and understand. And first of all, I needed, you're right. I needed to understand myself first. I couldn't communicate that. And then I couldn't be unfair and say to him, well, don't you know by now? Mm. Of course he didn't. Cause I didn't know in my heart, my heart's deceitful, right? And so my heart had formed itself in a way to protect and to cope with things that I didn't understand because I was too immature and young too. We were married when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Right? What do I know at 19? I thought I knew a lot, but there was a lot I needed to learn. And yet if I would have had um, someone to help walk that journey with and to be transparent and vulnerable with and say, hey, we're struggling in these areas and I'm not sure why, what can I do? And to have someone else say, yeah, me too. And here's some of the things I've tried that you can try as well mm-hmm. would have made all the difference for us. Um, there was a lot of shame and a lot of blame, I think that happened because we weren't able to have those conversations with each other. So Emily, you had said that when you first got to church, you, you were just coming off some really bad times. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about that? I like can, how, how, yeah. how much you want to talk about it's fine. I mean, yeah. I'm- so I too have have now been married twice. Um, first time around was not great, you yeah. know. Um, and so I I think even if I had known a lot of this stuff, it, it probably still wouldn't have been so great. But um, married my high school sweetheart. Well, my middle school. Sweetheart, yeah, um, and there were there were a lot of things at play that it just was never going to be a good situation for us. Um, but when I got here, um, so I started coming here when we were separated, and just kind of seeking like a miracle of yeah. like a heart change for him or something that would bring him around um that you know God could keep us together and um and when I got here I went through balanced heart and mind which is like kind of the pilot of journey, <laughs> journey to wholeness that's journey to wholeness was really born from that and um and that really impacted how how I felt about the situation. I ended up with so much peace. Um, I guess as much as you can when you're getting a divorce. Uh, but 
ultimately, you know, God works everything for for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And boy, that's me. Yeah. That is so me. And so, so we, you know, meeting Steve was one of the hugest blessings in my life ever. And um gosh, we are excited to to just be that that those people that are just two steps ahead, mm-hmm. you know, to reach back and say like, we're, we're not perfect and we're not, we don't have the perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're working on it, but um, we are, you know, here we're at point B and you're maybe at point A. So we can give you a tip or two. Mm-hmm. Steve, I wonder like when you look back on your time going through journey, yeah. Right. Like, what do you feel are the big things that you picked up out of that that make you a better husband for Emily? Mm, that's good. I think a lot of it is um, the process of timelining and then placing markers there. So for me, there were a lot of things where at first, when I first heard the timelining, I was just like, oh, geez, it's kind of eye roll to be honest <laughs> with you. I know I'm transparent here. Um, but it was after a few weeks of doing it that I realized um, through timelining and placing those markers when there were situations that happened today um, or disagreements or arguments, um, I was able to identify my responses. Mm. And some of my responses to some of the things she said or did were very juvenile mm. because what was happening was I was in a place of arrested development. And through that place for us development. Not the TV show. No. I mean, that's a great show too. <laughs> yep. Yes. Another plug there. Yeah. Um, but my responses were to go up to my room and shut the door like a child mm. and lock myself away from her. It's also my room now. Yes. We're in a small apartment, so there's not really many places to go. Um, and so it was through Journey to Wholeness that through that timelining, timelining, I was able to identify when I was in those moments and kind of call it out by name to identify, okay, when I'm feeling this, it's not because of what she said that I'm getting this upset. It's because of something that happened maybe five, 10, 20 years ago. That's really causing me most of my pain that I'm feeling right now. And once that was identified, those moments that kind of your relapses, if you will, those triggers mm-hmm. became less and less until they went away because you realized what she's saying and what she's doing is in an, in an intention to hurt you like what happened before. Mm-hmm. That's just what's in the moment and you're able to get past that instead of going away and locking the door. You're able to just move past it because you can either get to a spot where it doesn't bother you anymore or you get to a spot where you can communicate that with your spouse right. so that they know what your triggers and what your places of arrested development are mm-hmm. so that they are able to also identify and work with you to pull you out of those moments. I love that. I just want to, hearing you talk about that, I just want to talk about triggers for a second. Um, when uh, uh, when my first marriage fell apart, um, my kids were young. Um, and so... Like we would have to talk on the phone quite a bit. And whenever I would call my ex-wife, then she would never like be kind or anything. Her first response was always, what's up? Like that was what she always said. And so I think I've told Becky this, but so like now, like anytime someone says, what's up to me, like, I'm just like, 
thrown back, right, to mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. 30 years old, which seems old enough, but I was still arrested in development then when that happened, mm-hmm. right? Because it made me feel those things. And for the longest time, whenever I would like, that was one of the things that would happen to me, then that would like turn my spirit in such a way, like I would grow cold or I would grow angry. Mm-hmm. And so whatever happens next, there's no nothing after that could be successful. Mm-hmm. No conversation, no anything. Like I was just, and I, it took me a long time to figure out that that was a trigger for me. Like to go back and say, oh, the, what's up is a trigger. Right. It seems like the smallest thing. There's better triggers than that. No, but that's a really simple, easy one mm-hmm. to like relate to because I think all of us have a phrase or something. If someone does something or says something or, you know, very small things can really trigger us. And if we're not aware of that, now we go down this path that we never intended, right? And then we don't even know what we're talking about anymore. And so if I know now I can identify that trigger, my responsibility is to work on that. Now I have to reset that. Then we give you tools to do that. I need to reframe that. I need to process that. I need to understand that. But then for my spouse, when I share that with them, now they can be considerate and, oh gosh, if that bothers you. So even for us in a friendship, I was like, that bothers you. I'm going to not say that now because I know that's a trigger for you as you work on it. And then together we're going to get healthier. And so in the same respect though, it's also the superpower that we talk about, right? Now that you know that trigger, don't intentionally like start hitting that lever, right? It takes the two um, individuals each working on that, but you give your spouse the opportunity to join you in that when you're able to identify that and share that with them. Right. And you have to take, so what I love about journey is it gives you a second to take a step back and through timelining and through conversations, you can start identifying those things. Mm-hmm. Like the way someone talked to you, like I'm talking about like with what's up or the way, I don't know, like, like how a series of events could unfold the way you respond to that. If you don't take a second to figure it out or know your context, mm-hmm. you could respond to that. Like you said, and you're not even, you're not even arguing about what that person thinks you're arguing about. Right. And then you're building up additional offenses, yes. right? So yeah. now I say something because I'm upset, which had nothing to do with you. Now you're offended and, and then we start building on that. Yeah. And now we we came into this marriage with just different things in our life that we experienced that we needed to work through, but now we've created more. And so you can see how quickly someone can believe that, wow, I must have made a mistake or this is not the way it's supposed to be, right? I had this vision in my head of what it was going to be. And this is what I have. And it's because I didn't understand myself to begin with. And then I didn't invite that other person into that process with me. And if we can step back and do that, how many uh, offenses we save ourselves in just the misunderstanding, because neither of us intend to hurt one another. And yet we seem to be hitting all of the trigger points, right? So the closest person to you and then at a certain point, we do get bitter, resentful. It, it can get um, really ugly really quick because now we know those trigger points and now we know how to push them, right? And so instead of actually, why? Because we're protecting ourselves, we're protecting our hearts, we're protecting our minds, we're coping with what's going on, but we're not fully understanding really what the true enemy is, yeah. right? We're not understanding what the root of that issue was. And so now we're just on this trajectory. It's like a runaway train at that point. Yeah, if you don't address it, you'll find that the things that you're arguing about aren't what's making you mad at all, Mm-mm. right? You're just arguing about it because that's what's in front of you, right? That's the embodiment of it, but there's a bunch of stuff that's got to get, you know, evaluated, right? It's a symptom. So I'm wondering, Emily, so you're saying that you went through what amounts to journey before Steve, yes? Yeah. So then what, like... One time, two times before you met Steve? Um, so I 
went through the balanced heart and mind right. once. Okay. And then several years later, journey. Mm-hmm. And then Steve? Well, I I went through journey right before we got married. Gotcha. So, so in preparation. Right. <laughs> so I was just going to ask, so the between, I don't remember the name of the thing, balanced heart and mind. Yes, right. correct. An impossible title. <laughs> anyway, so if you go through balanced heart and mind, like what did that prepare you for, right? So you 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 lost your first marriage, right? You go through balanced heart and mind. So like, how does that prepare you then for like this courtship with Steve or mm-hmm. this, you know, like this marriage building with Steve? Like what, what do you feel like you like took away from that that helped you? I think it helped me um, with the grieving process mm. because with any, when anything comes to an end there, you know, even if it's, for your good, <laughs> or even if it was something you chose, um, when something ends, y- your body is going to want you to grieve that, your your mind and your body. And so I think it helped me with the grieving process. And it was still, um, you know, three years, four years after that, that I started, you know, my online profile and met Steve. So um it took it took a while, but I think it was mostly that grieving process mm-hmm. and just identifying, um, you know, some of my some of my heritage, like my family traits, and mm-hmm. um, just a greater awareness. Mm-hmm. I think of my makeup. I feel like as people, like we we tend to do, if we don't take a second to evaluate it, we just keep doing the same thing over and over. Yes, again. so like I feel like. If you're a person that's, that's in a, like a, a relationship, right? You're engaged now or you're freshly married now, but like you never really addressed maybe what went wrong in the last relationship before this or the last five relationships before that, whatever it is your thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't take a second to like reevaluate those things, you're prone to just do the same mistake. And just being married doesn't make that mistake not happen, mm-hmm. right? Like the, it's the, the promise of that Saturday in June isn't going to take away mm-hmm. you know, the possibility you're just going to repeat those things. And right. so it's really worth evaluating. So if you're in the process of engagement and courtship or freshly married stuff, it's definitely worth to say, what was it about these last relationships that didn't work? Like, what was like, what can I own in that? And what can I fix for this new person? Because especially if they're newly married, like if you're in this honeymoon phase, like I feel like it's in those times where you're like more prone than any to do something kind. and. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, it's the perfect time to figure that out. Right. It's perfect time to understand what our, the expectations are that you have and what shaped and formed those expectations. And there's some things that we never vocalize and never actually say, but we definitely live by them and expect others to live by them as well and then get upset when they don't. And I know um, older generations would um, joke about, you know, he expected me to iron his jeans like (laughs) his mother did, you know, and those are like, you know, very, you know, old things, but what is it that you do now? Um, what traditions did you think you were going to have? And so now Christmas time is coming and you expected to do this with your family, but we do this with my family and it's not Christmas unless I do these things. What was my expectation to begin with? And when we understand that we get to set those together, that we don't have to be bound by those, but they can contribute to who we are today. Now that's a little bit different. And so before we get into an argument and now we're trying to defend our castles respectively, why don't we come in and understand how was I shaped and formed? What was my family line like? Um, what did marriage look like in my family line? What does family look like? You know, and then come together and say, okay, here, here's my bucket of um, 
life experiences and here's your bucket and this has affected you in this way and this has affected me in this way. Now, what do we want to build together? And that's the part that you already are focused on as you get engaged and as you plan your wedding, right? Um, But don't let the wedding be like all you plan for. Like it's the lifetime after that event that really matters and how much time have you spent on that? Mm -hmm. Um, And really going through some of the details that you're right. I think many couples go, no one talks about this beforehand. Well, they do. But did you spend time focusing on that? Did you ask those questions? Did you know what questions to ask? And that's where journey to wholeness can help. Steve, growing up in Escanaba, were your parents together? Yes. So, so, and then uh, Emily, like this was your first marriage with Emily. Yes? Correct. Yes. Because I didn't know if that was true. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is your story. Anyway, so... <laughs> I'm wondering though, like, so then like you saw how your mom mothered, but then you also Mm -hmm. saw how your mom wifed. It's probably not a really a verb, but let's just use it here. Yes. Right. And so like, what, how did that affect what your expectations were of Emily as your wife? Like what, like, again, not ironing jeans, but was there something that you came into thinking, well, this is how marriage works. Like Mm -hmm. you make me coffee or you always make the bed or you, you know, whatever. Is there anything that you came into the marriage just thinking that this is how all marriages were, but then you like met Emily and she's like, oh, that's not even a that's thing. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not that I can think of, no. Nice. Um, so I've actually been, both of us have been pretty blessed with our family to see a lot of healthy relationships. Yeah. Um, both my grandparents were stayed married. Uh, my, my parents, I've got three siblings that are all remained married. So I have a lot of examples in my life of good marital relationships. So for me, I was able to pull more than just my parents. Um, so there, I wouldn't say there was anything in particular besides, um, and this is something we talked about. You could say maybe to your point was uh, the man being in the head of the household. Because if you've met my wife, you know how much of a strong, independent woman she is and intelligent. And for her to be submissive of me sometimes was challenging. <laughs> what um, are you trying to say? That you're smarter than <laughs> you. You don't, you don't know Emily break? Carlson. <laughs> yes. She's five foot nothing and like 90 we'll pounds maybe. Down. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's generous. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, my parents were very much, there were a lot of things I saw in their relationship that I knew I would say more the opposite where I don't want to repeat that. Mm. Um, my parents have a great relationship not to knock them or anything because they're probably going to listen to this. Um, but I remember growing up to times of just a simple thing at the dinner table. My di- my mom would, I was homeschooled, so she would stay at home and feed us all and take care of us all day. And then my dad would come home from work, sit down at the table and do a huff or a puff. And she'd go, oh, what what I forget? And she'd all freak out mm. and have to overserve him. And all he needed was salt and pepper. And me as a kid thinking, you got legs, get up and do it. So there are times where she's like, do, you, do I need to get you anything? I'm like, I've got legs. I can get up and do it myself because I don't want to have her feel like she's in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that same aspect too, something growing up that I didn't realize, my dad worked a lot. He was a Southern swing shift, which if you know what that is, yeah. that's working seven days in a row. Mm-hmm. So there were weeks, entire weeks where us as kids would not see him because he'd be working. Um, and how draining that was on his body. So also as an adult, you you become a little bit more sympathetic of your parents yes. to realize what they went through to give you the upbringing you received. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
I just feel like when I think about, because my parents are something that came up during journey as well. Like my relationship with my dad and my relationship with my mom and then my relationship with like with my siblings, like I'm the youngest of six. And so there's a lot there, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I feel like people poke fun at. Oh, tell me more about your mom, right? Or tell me more about your dad. Your dad wasn't nice to you. So now you got a problem. Like, I feel like people joke about that, like psychiatric, psychological stuff, but like there's truth to that, There is, you know? And so I feel like it's, it's worth exploring to try to figure that out. Like Mm -hmm. try to figure out like why you do get mad at, you know, this thing or why you do get sad at this thing or, Mm -hmm. you know, like the things that bring you joy or the things that bring you like fulfillment. Like it's worth exploring that and then sharing that with your spouse or your you know, like promised spouse, right? You know, and so that could be something that gets discussed, you know, in this kind of journey to wholeness. Yeah, absolutely. And as you refer to your relationship with your parents, if you can improve your relationship with your parents because you understand and and have more compassion for what they went through, that's going to help your relationship with your spouse and your parents, right? And too often we hear disjointed relationships with the in laws, and yet that really has to do with that spouse's view or experience and. Again, it can bleed into the relationship. And so now I'm I'm taking offense uh, on your behalf. And really, I didn't have any experience with that. Or there's interactions that I don't understand. But if you can give me some insight, you because you have understood them better and you have reconciled to the best of your ability because it takes, you know, two. So I have gotten to that point. Then I can bring my spouse into that so that they have the best relationship interaction with my family because that's what I want when we get together I want you to feel just as loved as I felt growing up or I want you to feel comfortable in that setting that you're part of the family and we only do that by working through our relationships so that our spouses feel the same they see the best in them because we've done the work in understanding and working through any offenses or any misunderstandings or any uh, perspectives like excuse perspective that we may have because we didn't see them as the adults we are now. We saw them through the eyes of a child. And so don't give your spouse that view of them as a child, right? In your immaturity, give them a mature view of your parents so that they can have the best experience possible. What will this course look like? So let's, let's pretend that people are listening. Oh my gosh, this is totally us. I want to do this thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And let me just encourage you to take the time to do this thing because nothing's not worth doing if it's not worth doing well. And the most important relationship, right, is your family. And so like your spouse and eventually your kids, if that's a thing. And so like it's worth anything that you can invest in this, it's worth doing. And so let's pretend that there's people that want to do this thing. What do we think it's going to look like? Um, I I think what what Steve and I have been talking about a lot lately is that there, there are a lot of premarital counseling programs. We went through one that was excellent and... Um, you talk about all the things, the big things, the kids, you know, are we going to have them? Are we not? Um, finances, intimacy. We talk about, you know, all the things. And we, we left that feeling like we had already talked about all we these got things. This. We got this, you know, like, ooh, we are so ahead of the game. And, um, come to find out, like, that's wrong. <laughs> and so even though those programs are so great, if you're not if if you're not developing self-awareness in what um what your issues are and what your past traumas have led you to believe about life and about relationship um even those conversations aren't going to help you as much as examining your past and and the traumas that you've gone through so um we've been talking a lot about it being like the ultimate <laughs> premarital counseling awesome. or or newlywed counseling because 
um, you know, we talk about all the time. Uh, it's not a marriage problem. It's a you, it's a you problem. Yeah. You have you problems and your spouse has them problems, you know? And so we, what we hope for it is that, um, couples can come and examine themselves like just super truthfully and through the lens of, wanting to better their relationship and wanting to be on each other's side Mm -hmm. because I want Steven to know that I've got his back no matter what and that I am not going to judge him for anything that could have happened in his past or, um, or anything that's triggering him. Like I want to honor him and I want to respect him. And I think this course is going to give you the compassion, that lens of compassion to do that. Where's the course take place? Um, we're going to have it on Wednesday nights at the exchange at 630. Mm-hmm. So that's the exchange uh, coffee house, the mercantile and something, something. Yeah, it's a possibly long name. <laughs> What's with us? It's really long names. I oh my gosh. And you can register online at j2wholeness.org. Uh, the link is up. Registration's there. And there is a special couples rate. So if you were to take it individually, um, it would cost a little more. But as a couple, when you sign up, there is a discount built in. So it's the best, most economical way to actually go through Journey to Wholeness. Um, so that might just inspire someone to go find someone to get married to so that they can get the <laughs> discount. No, don't do that. <laughs> Christmas. I want to save 50 bucks. So I'm going to get married. So anyway, so they show up. It won't save you any money. (laughs) So, um, so they show up at the exchange on a Wednesday night. Yep. And then what happens? And we're going to have a workbook for them and we're going to talk through a lot of stuff. And then we're going to break off into like the women will come with me. The men will come with Steven and just discuss and be real with each other. And yeah, what I love about a couples group is you come together and there's a teaching portion. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's information that you receive. You receive this great chock full uh, workbook so you can get as in depth as you want to, or really just come and absorb the information. You break out into discussion uh, so you can focus on the issues that you've noticed that you've seen in the applications that you have. And then what's beautiful is that you're both on the same page. So when you're driving home in the evening, now we can talk to each other. Here's what I found out about myself tonight. Oh yes, I noticed that in you. I didn't realize that was an issue. And now we can work together as we drive home and through the week, uh, have conversations on, you know what I realized after that uh, session, here's what I wrote down on my timeline. Here's what I wrote down in the application. And now we can work on that together. And so you go through the entire process together while you're working on yourself, but you you recruited the person who loves you the most to actually walk through that with you so that you can grow together. I feel like I can just, I can hear dudes like their, their girl, right. Heard this podcast or this girl's mom heard this podcast. She gave it to the girl. The girl's like, Oh yes, I love that. We should do that. And then she's playing it for the dude. Right. And the dude's like, Nope, not doing it. Mm, Negatory. Right. Like I could totally just see that. Right. Because dudes are like that. Dudes are so duty. I totally made Steven do this. (laughs) That is the truth. So, but then I think about like, you know, we just, uh, I'm part of a staff that just did journey to wholeness. And like we sat as a group together doing like the teaching portion. And then we broke out into genders, mm-hmm. you know, for the discussion portion. Mm-hmm. And at first by a bunch of dudes around a table, <laughs> no one wants to talk about their feelings. No one's going to admit to anything. Right. No. But by like week four, mm-hmm. 
right? Dudes are crying, right? And like, they're just like, you know, breaking through, you know, and like, it's just, it's a thing. And they, and these are dudes are like motorcycle riding dudes, tattooed dudes, pierced dudes, like the dudest dudes, right? We're like, you know, making connections. And sometimes like we get so wrapped up in our manhood, right? And our, yeah. not like our manhood, but like our, like our manliness, masculinity, you know, right? Masculinity <laughs> is what yeah. I'm trying to think of. And so like, well, we don't like, we feel like I'm not going to show any kind of vulnerability. I'm not going to show any kind of transparency. Like my dad never did anything. My dad never cried. I don't know why I'm talking like I'm from the South now. <laughs> but like, like my dad never cried. So I'm never going to cry. Right. My wife doesn't like it. She can sit on attack. Right. Like it's just going to be, you know, whatever. And so, but like, you're just going to end up with the same broken relationships over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel like it's really worthwhile, but like, did you have that experience at first? You were like, I'm not, nope, I'm a dude. Not going to do this. This isn't the thing for me. No. Oh yeah, um, I, I wish you could come my way just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm here for you. <laughs> um, no, because I've uh, previously once I left the church in Mantua, I actually went through a counseling class there, just a solo class, which helped me a lot. Um, but when I came to the journey class, it was that way. Like we didn't really talk a lot, even though I was I'm a dude. I didn't open my mouth a ton. Yeah, right away. It took a few, like you said, it takes a few weeks, I think, for guys to create that bond. Um, and it's something my grandpa always said, people don't know how much you care. Or people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even now, the guys I went through in my journey class, which we had a guy, guys in the Marines. And, you know, some of the people that are the tough as nails that let down a lot of their walls and, and let us into their life to really share what's going on and their feelings and their hurts. Um, and I mean, we never had a moment where we're breaking down in tears, but we were walking through this journey together. Um, and that was such a powerful thing because a brotherhood and a camaraderie is so powerful that we're continuing it past our session time. I think that's one of the key things of the journey too, is even though you're, you're paying for a 12 week program, you're going to a 12 week program, but you're walking away with a lifetime. Um, so we built relationships where we get together once in a while. We Marco Polo each other, if you know what that is. Um, we did a thing on you version where we all, um, added our, each other as friends on the Bible app and started Bible plans together and to communicate that way. And so that's been such a blessing to be able to have that relationship, being somebody that all of my friendships were severed from me in Manitowoc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in a very alone state prior to that where I didn't have relationships. Mm-hmm. So to come into a place where I could be open and transparent and vulnerable and know that it was safe, that the things that I'm going to be telling these people, they're not going to go home and tell their friends or let it get out anywhere. Right? What mm-hmm. It's kind of what stays, what happens in journey stays in journey. <laughs> Um, type of a slogan. And so we were really able to communicate a lot of our feelings in a very masculine way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think it's a great place to get a lot of your questions answered. Like here's a situation I'm in and why am I perplexed by it? And to yeah. have people to support you. Uh, I'm a woman uh, and I wasn't pr- like really 
keen on getting emotional with a bunch of people when I went through my process. But what I really appreciated was the science behind it. Because if you could explain to me why this happens, why my brain goes this way, why I'm reacting or triggering, then I had a path to walk back out. And that was so valuable to me because um, it's fine for you to say, oh, it's you know, someone to be emotional and say, well, I hope you feel better, but give me something practical and tangible to help me to walk out this process when I'm by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also now I have verbiage, I have the vocabulary to actually express myself and have a conversation. And these people who went through the journey with me have the same vocabulary. So I can just refer to that and they know immediately what I'm talking about and then they can help me in the process as well. And so for me, in that there's some people who just need to come and just let it out and cry it out. Um, And that's completely applicable. That's like valid. I'm not saying it's not, but you may be a person who's more like, tell me why A goes to B goes to C because right now I'm having trouble figuring out how to get out of the situation I'm in. I know I'm in a bad spot right now. How do I walk out of that? And for me, that, that was everything. Yeah, you're kind of a dude chick though, right? <laughs> like you're kind of like a like emotionally you're a dude, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but I feel like today I was doing another podcast with a dude and he was talking about how he's relatively newly married as well. And he first started talking about how he's been leaving the peanut butter jar open. Like he just leaves mm-hmm. the cap off. So he just pulls it out and like sticks his finger in. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, seriously, you can't, like, what are you, 14? You can't. He said, it's just no big deal. And he was going on and on about it, right? And then he started talking about how like he would, talk to his wife, like how he talks to his bros and he'd be like all cutting and mean. You know, like how dudes mm-hmm. talk to each other. I, I don't know why I keep looking at you because every time I ask you to do like a dude thing, you just sit there and yeah, you can not, look at me. Yes, yeah, I understand yeah. completely. Anyway, <laughs> but like dudes cut up right with one another and yeah. they're mean to each other. And so he would talk to his wife that way. And like, he didn't understand like why that, like why it was emotional for her. Mm. Right. And so I think about, <laughs> I think about dudes and like, and so I was talking to him about that. I said, you can't look at your bros and see what kind of value, how you behave, like what value that has to your bros, because your bros aren't like, that's not the measure, right? Like you got one bro that's living with his mom still in her basement, <laughs> right? You got one bro that's still working at the quick trip. You got another dude that never cleans his car, right? So you're going to like match what you think good husbandry is or what good, yeah. you know, against these bros. Like that's not the measure that's at okay. all. So don't try to be like all super tough and my bro, my bros would think I'm a big wimp if they heard me talk about my mm-hmm. feelings. Listen, that's not the measure. Yeah, you want to be around a group of people who place value on their marriage and yeah. say, let's do this because we want the best out of this. Yeah, because yeah. so, I like what you said about the science, right? Because mm-hmm. that might have sounded like just a throwaway line, but so much of the way that we act has to do with like who we are as cavemen, right? Like it's mm-hmm. sort of like a paleo thing, right? Not the diet because that's mm-hmm. ridiculous because <laughs> there's no like Oreo cookies in paleo diet. <laughs> The most ridiculous thing. So anyway, but like, I feel like there's this paleo way that our bodies work. Mm -hmm. Like our, our minds are like, we talk about it all the time, fight or flight. Right. right? And then, but then there's feign and fawn and freeze, freeze, (laughs) freeze. There's all these different things that, and and it's because of who we were as cavemen, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or who we primitively, like how we're made. We're primitively wired. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, when we're fighting saber-toothed tigers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, our minds still work that same way now, just that our saber-toothed tigers are our angry wives or right. our crappy bosses. Right, right. You know, and so there's still a way that our that our bodies and our minds deal with that. And so it's that's the science that you're talking about. And that's fascinating to me as a dude. And like, to, thanks. Finally, Steve yeah. nodded his head at the dude <laughs> request. Yeah. Well, I'd also say like <laughs> nature versus nurture. Right. Um, having conversations with guys, a lot of them grew up seeing that 
your dude. Like this is what being a dude is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of guys miss that being a dude is also being in touch with your emotions. Yeah. Um, because if you're not a good husband, what measure of a dude, like then you're just a dude, like that's not a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a man, you got to be a good husband. You got to be a good father. And what does that look like? Is that saying no, suppress your emotions? No, no. Like, accept them and deal with them. And then teach your children and lead your household towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to be a man, yeah. follow after Jesus. Yeah, I love that. And this is the last dude thing we'll talk about. I feel like we spent a lot of time here, but I feel like it, that's like, if I was to, if, as I'm trying to anticipate what the objections would be, right. it's probably going to be at the dude, mm-hmm. you know? But I just feel like you do, it's not like you have to make a decision between being a good husband and being hard. Like, I feel like a lot of dudes just want to be hard. Like, dude, I'm hard. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I feel like that's what guys do. You don't have to make that decision. You could still be, you know, like hard, right? But you can also mm-hmm. be a good husband. In fact, that's your that's your greatest responsibility. I guess that's what I was trying to say mm-hmm. with trying to make your bros happy, right? Your greatest responsibility is as your husband and as a dad, right? And that takes not just being hard. Like it's all a fairy tale. This idea of who we saw in the movies or who our dads were, or who their dads were, like that's it's all a fairy tale. That's not what being a man is about, right? It's being a good husband and a good father. That's the only thing that matters how hard you are doesn't matter. And so like you can be hard as long as you're a good husband and a good father. And the first step to getting there is, you know, doing something like journey, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh yeah. my gosh, I, we, we all backed away from the mic at the same time. I was worried I, that no one was going to say anything. <laughs> uh, well, I can say something. I, I think that there's this um, general consensus that things are going to work out. That you don't have to work at it. Like, yeah, if you find the right you know, one, it'll just the, work your, out. Your soulmate, you know, things will be. Put the cruise butter- control on and yep. relax. And, you know, like it, it genuinely takes work. And mm-hmm. I know that everybody is told that when they're getting married. And you've probably been told that, that, you know, marriage is work, but it's not, it's not what we think. It's, Work mm-hmm. on ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's it's introspective. So good. And I think even with our wonderful relationships around us and our good examples, Steve and I still found ourselves struggling at the beginning because we had this idea that we were ahead of the game, that we were, you know, we had talked about all the things and um, we felt prepared and we felt that you know, like God had blessed our marriage and, and, and he has, Mm -hmm. he absolutely has. And we're so grateful, but, um, the work is on ourselves. And I love that because I feel like that's the fringe benefit, right? So like, yeah, I mean, we're we're presenting this as a course that you do as a couple to make your marriage the most it can be, but the fringe benefit is like making you better as a person, making you more confident, making you love yourself more, like making yourself just like more humble, like not like again in a weak way, but no. like in a, in a positive. And so you're going to be better at work. Yep. You're going to be better with your friends. Yep. You're going to be better family. like everywhere. Yes. You're going to be the a better ripple person. Effects. And you know, it's, it's that two, you're not two halves. Right. Right. You're yep. not two halves that make one whole, although you do, it's two becoming one, but you have to be your whole self. You yeah. have to be a person and you know, yeah. It's not like they complete you. Right. That's mm-hmm. not their job. And no. that's a burden that we put on our spouses and on our betrothed so that they're never intended to carry. They're never intended to carry that. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. And I think um 
yeah, just don't put that expectation on your spouse. You know, get get that with God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So good. So yeah, uh, this group is starting February 10th. Uh, oh my gosh, that's right around the corner. Right around the corner. It's so if up. you're listening to this, go directly to j2wholeness.org and get signed up because we know that our classes uh, for junior wholeness fill up fast and we want you to have the opportunity uh, to join this group if you're planning on getting married this uh, spring or summer or if you just got married this past year I'm sure you already have found things that you can work on together and so and there's no shame in that sorry. no there's not I want to make sure that people know like uh, some people feel like oh my gosh I'm struggling I must be a horrible oh, person gosh, I must no. be, I picked the wrong person it means you're that, human yes <laughs> like everyone's got this screwed yeah. up no one's got to figure it out. So what you're seeing on Facebook from that chick at work who's always posting pictures of her and they're all like, la, la, la. That's just Facebook, man. That's Mm -hmm. not the truth. And so everyone's struggling at it. And so like, why not get as many like hands up, lifted upness? Yeah. Support. Yeah, support would be the word. Anyway, why not get as much? So if they have questions about this, if they go to j2wholeness.org mm-hmm. and they, if they still have questions, can they email someone? Can they? Yes. Yeah, you can okay. email uh, right on the website. There's contact. Just let us know if you have any questions. We're happy to help anytime, but get signed up. You, you will definitely benefit reap from the rewards of the work that you do in 12 weeks for a lifetime, just like Stephen said. Yeah, I love that. Hey, thanks for joining us for the whole podcast. Uh, we've enjoyed having you. If you liked this podcast, we'd love it. If you would share that with friends that you feel like are in this position where we're talking about, where they're newly married or about to get married or thinking about getting married, or even if they've been long time married, like it's not limited, right? Like people that have been married 20 years can come to this. Yes? Absolutely. And so like, I feel like, you know, it's, it, there's no perfect marriage and there's no perfect fix, but like, What's perfect is your uh, willingness to do everything you can to make it work. Like that's, that's what we're called to do. Do everything you can to make it work. And so we'd encourage you to get involved with this. Uh, please uh, subscribe to this podcast on any of your favorite podcast channels. Rate this podcast if you enjoy it because rating makes more people see uh, this podcast. And so uh, we'd appreciate that. So until we talk next time, my name is Pastor Scott. That's Pastor Becky. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later. Bye.